what episode is this? What's what's K? A, B, C, D, E, N, J, K. 11. Episode 11. I had to sing the ABC song to myself to figure it out. Oh, yeah. All right, welcome to episode 11. Here we are, just before we started rolling, I had to sing the ABC song to figure out what the letter K was in the alphabet. Voice That's what you do. Voice of an angel. The voice of an angel. I, unfortunately, our listeners cannot hear that. Maybe we'll put that on Patreon or something. Mm-hmm. But we are here to talk about one of my favorite bands, which is the band Kiss. Yay. You know, so much of who you are. I don't know, maybe this isn't true for everybody, but this is true for me and a lot of my peers that are artists. So much of who you are is defined by a very small window of time in your life. And I'm going to I'm going to put that time between like 9 and 16. Okay. There are things that happen to you from 9 to 16 that will forever define you. And so my first ever concert when I was 12 was the band Kiss in 1996 or 7. And that's when I wanted to get a guitar. That's when I that's when music was always a big part of my life, but like that's when I was like I'm getting a guitar. I want to do what these guys are doing on stage. And then you fast forward. That's just everything I've done since then has been to try to achieve that goal. And that's because of the band Kiss. I love that. They were your inspiration. Yeah. It's one of those like defining moments. And the reason that I set it all up that way is because I realize now as an adult, how silly their music, just how silly it is, which is really true for a lot of things. I don't actually know anything about Kiss. Are they the ones that have the makeup and the the tongue sticking out? Yes. Okay. I know none of their music. You probably heard, I want to rock and roll all night and party every day. I I do know that song. I like that song. I want to rock and roll all night. their biggest song and that song kind of really defines them pretty well they want to rock and roll all night they want to party every day they were they were a band of dudes who enjoyed female attention you know the main two guys drug free pretty much the whole career Mm -hmm. especially the bass player which is gene simmons now you've probably heard of gene simmons i have he's a very popular pop culture icon he's the bass player primary one of the primary songwriters frontmen for kiss Got it. So, okay. So you don't know anything about them. So this is going to be interesting for me. Most of my adult friends who did not get into Kiss when they were kids have a pretty hard time with it. And one of the things I want to try to get to distill and figure out in this episode is this connection with your childhood, the things that happened to you when you were a kid, what you're willing to forgive a movie or a band or a sports team or whatever it is because of what they meant to you. Mm-hmm. And how they've aged, and now I I believe that Kiss underneath the makeup they they were seen even at the time as a very gimmicky band. They they wear kabuki makeup. They have the kind of superhero comic book characters that they play to. We're going to talk about the characters. They 
they're all of their songs were kind of schlocky songs about having sex. Uh, they made a terrible movie because they were trying to be the Beatles. But in the 90s, they took their makeup off. Well, they took their makeup off in the 80s, but in the 90s, they did MTV's Unplugged, which are you familiar with that show? You take a big popular band and you do their all their songs acoustic. No, I was thinking of TRL, which was came later, but uh, yeah. I like the vibe of it. MTV Unplugged sounds pretty cool. MTV Unplugged in the early 90s was huge, and that's that's the reason that Kiss did it is so you know they were basically i'm sure they offered whatever those bands a chunk of money to do it right. and what they did in the i'm getting ahead of myself but i think the songs actually are pretty good and the unplugged album really sort of proves that without all the bombs going Oopla. off the show mm-hmm. gene simmons spitting blood and fire we'll get into Ooh. all that stuff kind of underneath that is a collection of some pretty good songs but i no longer am an objective voice in the in the debate about kiss i just love them I just yeah. love them and I'll always love them. Not only because of what like what they ignited in me, but I just still love the music. I still I have all the records. I still pull them out and look at them and you know, my daughter and my niece there's a song called uh I was made for loving you and they love that song and it's just I don't know. It's hard to describe. So am I am I doing a good job of kind of crystallizing for you the nostalgic sort of sentimental love I have for this band. Yes. It feels like your first musical love. It feels like, like you have a little bit of that. I'll always love you. Even though I realize, even though I see your faults now in a different way, or I have more perspective now, it doesn't really matter because you're always going to have that spot in my heart. Yeah. And I, you know, I was 12 and 13. So I had music before that, that I loved, Mm -hmm. you know, I kind of came out, I kind of came out swinging with tunes. Like, Mm-hmm. My first real identification with loving music would be like Michael Jackson or Prince or Pearl Jam. Some of this stuff. The thing, the connection with Kiss was first live concert in an arena, yeah. sold uh-huh. out. So it felt dangerous. There were like mm-hmm. people smoking around us. Ooh. Who'd you go with? Uh, I went with my dad. My dad did take me. One of the mm-hmm. nicer things he's ever done for me. Mm-hmm. So there was kind of that father-son bonding thing. But honestly, I was a little less interested in that than maybe he might have been. Because the thing is, my dad's age at that time, Kiss was his band when he was a teenager. You know, they basically, the reunion tour that they did in 1996-97 was 20 years after their heyday, which was 1977, was their absolute peak of power. Okay. They were generally a 70s band, and they existed all through the 80s. The 80s shit got really weird. They took their makeup off. They, They started playing like hair metal. The 80s is a kind of a dark void in the Kiss world. But the the beauty, the magic was in the mid to late 70s. So you got into them in their, when they were in their reunion days. Yes, yes. And your dad was into them. Uh, interesting. I went to a reunion tour too for my first concert. It was the Judds. Did they spit blood and fire like the way Kiss did? They did not. They did smile at me though because I got to walk across the front of the stage and they did wink at me and smile while they sang one of their hit songs. No blood. When Kiss announced their like, you know, that they were reuniting... Yeah, a bunch of kids got excited because it was a rock and roll guitar band, which I liked rock and roll and guitars. And, it, you know, I was hip enough. I'd probably already gotten into Zeppelin or Pink Floyd. So I knew that the 70s was a decade to really pay attention to. So Kiss is reuniting. Their heyday was the 70s. Maybe didn't know much about them other than rock and roll all night and party every day. But that guy's spitting blood and spitting fire. That guy's got a guitar that smoke's coming out of it and he's shooting rockets out of the headstock. This guy, the drum riser is rising up fucking 40 feet and shooting bombs out of his cymbals. When you're a kid and you like rock music, what else do you need? Mm -hmm. That's case closed. (laughs) So my dad, who was feeling probably pretty nostalgic, got us tickets. I was already kind of hip to it and I was stoked and I'd never seen a live concert. So 
you have all of these things swirling in this stew. And, you know, for yeah. years, I don't know if you saw me on any of these tours, but I would tour with these kiss dolls on my amp and they almost were like little talismans. They were like little mm-hmm. totems of like, I don't know. I just needed to have them near me. They're just so responsible for so much about me, like horror movies yeah. in a way, you know, mm-hmm. I'm even drinking coffee right now from my Peter Chris kiss mug, which I collect the whole set. Because I'm insane. Love it. So I'm going to give you a brief history lesson. And along the way, now there's too much to condense in a 45-minute convo. So, and we're going to be putting in clips of some of the tunes. So we can give some people some anchor points musically with what's going on here. But this will be kind of a brief overlook of their 40, 50-year history. Ready to go to Kissland with me? I'm born ready. All right. So they formed in January of 1973, New York City band. Okay. Primary songwriters and the front men are Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons. Most people have heard their names. Gene Simmons was on a very popular uh, like reality show with his family called The Family Jewels. I don't know if you remember that. He married no. former playmate Shannon Tweed. None of this rings a bell, huh? No. Who are these people? I believe The jewel, the Family Jewels was on the heels of the, uh, the Aussie show, The Osbournes. Mm, you you know, Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And this one was on, I think it was on Bravo Networks. So it was, on, you know, it wasn't on MTV. It was on mm-hmm. a lesser known channel. But I do think that made him a, you know, a household name. And he also, um, he, he he got in some hot water in the rock community several years ago for saying rock and roll's dead. He doubled down recently and said, not only is rock and roll dead, but fans ki- the fans killed it. Oh. You know, he's he says things like that. He tried to get the trademark on the I love you hand symbol. He tried to make money off that because he used to do that in the 70s. So he tried to claim right. that he originated that. He tried to patent that. Isn't that similar to what they do in Hawaii, though? Well, we're like doing, the they do this, of, I think. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. That's you, right. The listeners can't see us, but we're doing the weird. like, it's not the devil horns. Okay. Now the devil horns are like, you make a goat head, right? Yeah. Hail Satan, of course. Mm. The I love you is the thumb out and the pointy finger and the pinky. And yeah. Gene Simmons, if you look at pictures of him in the 70s, He's usually making that, and I think that means I love you. Okay, I like that. And then you, yeah, and then you've got the the hang hang loose, which is like, a, I guess, an early '90s cowabunga teenage mutant ninja turtles thing. I don't know what you were just doing there. You were doing like well, a bunny this was hop like well, this bunny. is actually for the SMU Mustangs. It's like so. There's this for another college. I'm doing like the peace sign, which is for one of the other colleges in Texas, and then. The, if you if you just put your knuckles up, then that's for the the horned frogs for TCU. But SMU was this weird in between thing, like droopy droopy uh, rabbit ears. We were the Mustangs, so I guess this is supposed to be like go go Mustangs. It's a terrible hand signal. And you would you guys were in a gang, and you would show that sign to what each other to as I mean, out of solidarity. I guess just sadness because we never won football games. I never. <laughs> I don't. I never did it. But I was showing it to Joe the other day, and he was like, "That's the saddest." school hand sign and i was like i know i it really was it is kind of sad it's not it just it looks so meek anyway well so a young gene simmons this is before Mm -hmm. any of this would have happened and paul stanley they get together they're in new york they kind of grew up lower middle class Mm -hmm. to poor kind of marginalized jewish boys in new york city and paul stanley the other guy who's just a piece of work we'll get to him he had a def- he had like a deformity, like an ear deformity that he was often made fun of for, mm. which would kind of go on to shape some of his personality stuff. I mean, yeah. the, the, these dudes kind of had to. I, I believe Gene Simmons moved here as an immigrant with his mother, just him and his single mom, and 
even like changed their name because of the Jewish connotations. His his actual name was Haim Witz. And then I think they changed their name to Gene Klein. And then when he became a musician, he changed his name to Gene Simmons. And wow. Paul Stanley too. Stanley, he, his name is Stanley Eisen. Every member of Kiss did not use their real name, which is interesting. Oh, wow, interesting. Okay, so they form a band called Wicked Lester. Wicked Lester is not really much to talk about. They did get a record deal. They signed to Epic Records. Their record was so unremarkable that Epic shelved the record. Which, for anyone who doesn't know what that means, it means they paid for it, paid to put it, paid to make get it made. And then when it came time to put it out, they decided that they weren't going to make any money off of it. It wasn't worth it to pay to promote it, so they shelve it. No one else can have it. They own it because they paid for it, and it just goes into a black hole that's fairly common in the age of record labels. I know this. the band I was in, Duga, who I think you came and saw us at the Hollywood Bowl. Mm -hmm. We made a record that got shelved because the label we were on, which was Zach Brown's label, Southern Ground, folded right after we made the record. And so it's just, they, they own it. And we can't really buy it back. It was $100,000. So it just never sees the light of day. That That's, sucks. It's pretty common. Really? A more, nef- a more nefarious version of that in town. Let's say Tim McGraw is on... I'm going to make up a record label because I don't want to say these actual record labels, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's say Tim McGraw is on A to Z Records. Mm-hmm. The, the A young hotshot guy comes out and he's quote unquote the next Tim McGraw. No, I don't like where this is going. A label like A to Z will sign that person and then just shelve all their shit because they basically took the competition out of the market. Wow. Now, not every story is like that. There's lots of times when the next Tim McGraw, they want him and they want to just turn him into the next Tim McGraw so they can keep making money like they did. But there are cases where they're like, that's how they will eliminate competition in the market. So, wow. That's kind of what happened with Wicked Lester, although it wasn't because they were so good. They, they just weren't very good, and the band knew it. They made an album. They learned a lot making that first album. You can find demos and stuff online. But you can hear a little a little nugget, a little genesis of what would become Kiss music mm-hmm. because it's the main dudes. They see an ad in the paper. That's how old this is. There's an ad in the paper from the drummer, who's Peter Chris, who's the coffee mug I'm I'm holding. He was mm-hmm. the cat man, as you can see through, by I, his makeup. It does look like a cat. What was his name? Peter what? Peter Chris. Peter and He's Chris. an interesting character, too. He's the drummer. And he put an ad in the paper that simply said, uh, experienced rock and roll drummer looking for original group doing soft and hard music, Brooklyn, New York. And this is the kind of thing where two guys like Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons will see that. They're looking for that. They see it. They respond to it. They go to some club in Brooklyn to see Peter Chris play. They hear him sing. He's got a very cool rock and roll singing voice. He sounds like Rod Stewart. Boom, he's in the band. Now we have the, the three guys. They put out an ad. They find the guitar player, generally considered the coolest guy. Mm-hmm. His name is Ace Fraley. 
Ace. Ace Fraley. And he's the reason I want to play guitar. Dimebag Daryl, the guitar player for Pantera, who's one of the greatest metal guitar players of all time, has a huge tattoo of Ace Fraley's face on his chest. Whoa. That is some commitment. This guy and the band Kiss really influenced some of the most popular hard rock bands ever, like bands that are taken way more seriously, like Metallica, Pantera, Anthrax. The guitar players in these bands, like me, wanted to play guitar because of Ace Fraley. So you got to chase those threads and you got to, I think you got to put some respect on that. Sure. You know? Also, his name is cool. I'm, I'm digging the name Ace. Again, not his name. His name is Paul. Well, he couldn't go by Paul. There's already a Paul in the band. And here's the deal. If you're going to name, if you're going to decide like, hey, look, my name didn't cut it. It's time for a new name. It, and the whole world's your oyster. Make it cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one's going to rebrand themselves as Chad. <laughs> Nothing wrong with Chad. I was almost named Chad. <laughs> But ain't no one choosing Chad. I could not imagine you as a Chad. I think that at this point, I don't think... Could you imagine me any other name except Clint? It's just so me. I just grew into it. Yeah. I can't... I, I could never be anything else. Chad. You just go by Wells. You know what would happen if they named me Chad? I would just be Chad. I would be probably saying the same thing. And what if someone was like, your name was almost Clint? Wow. That is weird. Hmm. Which I will say... Being saddled with an unusual name, I have, I've had an unusual name my whole life. I wonder how much of that, it's not a bad unusual name, but it is unusual. There are not many Clints out there. No, there are not. There aren't that many Katies. There are more Katies than Clints, but I didn't, I was never like in a class with four other Katies and it didn't happen. And you got your Kates, you got your Caitlins. Yeah, but I was never any of those. I was only Katie. No. So if you could have any name, have you ever thought about this? What if like... When you were doing, I love that your character in Paranormal Activity is Katie. Listen, but hindsight. I know, totally. <laughs> I, I love were you really a demon? God, I still get those messages. Is Mika dead? No, he's not. He's not dead. I didn't. He's an actor. I don't. Oh, I, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, is Mika dead? <laughs> 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 you should just start saying yes he is he is, he is. And, the mystery remains to be solved and now that you've reached out to me on instagram <laughs> you're next um, all right so they get ace fraley and he's he's a wild character these are just a bunch of knuckle these are like guys who if they didn't become kiss they would have just died they just would not be guys you would hear of like and are they like in their 20s like, right now they're like like yeah okay. they're young yeah. And like Ace Fraley showed up wearing like two different shoes. Yeah. Like he didn't have a car. You know what I mean? These are kind of like eccentric characters. Mm-hmm. Maybe not Paul and Gene. Paul and Gene, and as we will see throughout the mini lineup, the mini ups and downs of Kiss, the constants are Paul and Gene. They actually had their shit together. But Ace and Peter, who were generally considered kind of the misfits of Kiss, mm-hmm. they were the boozers, the drinkers. Ace Fraley drunkenly wrapped his car around a telephone pole. They they were the wild guys. They were the rock and roll wow guys now all of them enjoyed ladies sure the the tall tales of the kiss you know hotel adventures are interesting but yeah these guys are just they're just these interesting new york and you know how new york is i mean new york is a tough place and in the 70s it was really tough so first of all they're all born and bred new yorkers but not like fifth avenue manhattan shit i'm talking like just the, the the lungs of new york right like the the suburbs of Brooklyn and Queens. So they grew up tough, you know? And then when they're in their early 20s, they're just 
strange, they're just strange misfits. It, really, the story of Kiss is the story of these four people creating this magic together that otherwise I just don't know what they would have done, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I, and I know people like that in Nashville. I know people in successful bands who, yeah, they don't have cars or bank accounts. They're just existing they're like, and floating from thing to thing and somehow are making it. They're like mythological characters, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. I have an actor friend like that. I'll name one of them now. It's a guy named John Murray. He played ba- I was in a band with this girl named Jesse Balin, this really great artist, and he was the bass player. We were all in our mid twenties and you know, we had a record deal and we thought we thought we thought it would be the last band we'd ever be in, honestly. Mm-hmm. We thought she was like our our Fiona Apple or whatever. And um surprise, surprise, that didn't work out. But we were playing Radio City Music Hall in New York City. And this guy <laughs> This guy didn't have a bank account, didn't have a driver's license. Like, I don't know how he gets from A to B unless we're in a bus right. going to the show and we have a tour manager who's just telling us where to pee and what to do. Mm-hmm. And we played Radio City Music Hall. It was a great night. We celebrate all night. We're at a bar all night. And he's refusing to let me buy any of the drinks. Me and him are just in a corner of this bar talking about, you know, Buck Owens or Hank Williams. We're just like having a musical conversation. Yeah. We're drinking all night. The tab was insane. Afterwards, he refuses to let me pay for any of it. That was his per diem for the entire tour, which was like $300. He had no money. And we were on the road for like two months. Wow. He That's the only money. He was like playing cards on the streets the next day to try to get money. Wow. This guy. So another night we were in a, a city and somehow he'd gotten a cell phone, like a burner cell phone that you can buy in a gas station. Mm-hmm. This actually might have been the next night. We had two nights in New York. We're in New York and we were all about to split up because each of us had friends in New York and we were all kind of doing our own thing. And I looked at him. I said, John, I grabbed his phone. I said, put my number in your phone. We have to be at Grand Central because we were taking a train to New Jersey to meet up with the bus. Mm -hmm. I said, we have to, we have to be to make this train to get to the sound check for the next show. We can absolutely not, not be there. I'm not worried about the other knuckleheads because they have phones and bank accounts and driver's licenses and they're responsible. But this guy, I was like, listen, and I took his phone. I was like, I put my number in his phone. I was like, charge this tonight. Make sure you have it. He took his phone and then he threw it as far as it would go. Just down some dark street of New York. Gone. What? This guy is asking for trouble. The next day, though, he was there on time. He's in a really su- <laughs> he's in a really successful band now. I I don't know how these people do it. I don't know. I have a, I have an actor friend like that who who just has a dog and just some exists. Sometimes he's in New York. Sometimes he's in Los Angeles. Sometimes he's in Ojai. Sometimes he's in Texas. He he works a lot, but also he sometimes he doesn't work, and sometimes he just ex- like I don't know how he maybe he has a bank account. I don't know, but I don't know how. He just seems to live off the grid in a way that seems unimaginable to me, but always ends up where he's supposed to be. But like, I think all his stuff could pretty much fit in like a suitcase, he and his dog. And Have you considered that he might be a vampire? Good, good point. Good point. Let me that think. That sounds very much like an Anne Rice. These guys, are, yeah, these people are just like strange mythological characters that it's almost like they've just been here for thousands of years. They just, yeah, you know. I sit around and I worry about like money and paying bills and jobs. Like, you know, I sit around and worry about the practical odds and ends of life. Right. And then when you encounter these people, it's both refreshing and scary in a way. And I think some of these KISS members were were these kinds of dudes. All right. Mm -hmm. So they call the band KISS, which is a pretty good foreshadowing of maybe what they were all about. Gene Simmons, the great genius Gene Simmons, 
He wanted to call the band F-U-C-K, but he didn't want to spell it. He wanted to say it. I'll just, I'll just say it that way. Okay. That's what he wanted to call the band. First Kiss show with the original lineup, the lineup that we know, the OG lineup, took place January 30th, 1973 for less than 10 people. Ooh, wow. At the Popcorn Club in Queens. And then on the ground floor of those people. How cool would it be to be one of those 10 people, though? I remember seeing Mumford & Sons before Mumford & Sons was super popular and thinking back and going, oh, wow, I just like walked up and watched them play. Yeah, they're pretty cool. And how was it? They were great. They were exactly like they were when they were super popular. Well, I've played shows for less than 10 people, thankfully not in quite a long time, but I have done that. I I know what it feels like, and it doesn't feel good. Mm. I can tell you the feeling is <laughs> not super great. Yeah, I played a show one time for one person, which was with Jesse Balin, which was the band I was in with the guy who threw his phone and had to like- Who do you think play- felt weirder in that situation, y'all or the, or the one person? I know for a fact we did, because that person looked like they were on another planet. Hmm. We were playing a college. We were playing a college, and the college was having some like event in the quad, you know, like concert in the quad mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. And they have a budget for that that they have to spend. Well, the girl who was in charge of booking the entertainment, her favorite artist was this artist that I was working for. Mm-hmm. So naturally, she got her favorite artist to come because the payday was so good. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing: they didn't promote it, or and no one else of that college knew it, and so. And there was some other big event happening. So whatever. The only person there was the person that booked us. Oh. We were just like, I mean, you know, we're when you have a band, you can deal with it together. We considered it a paid rehearsal and yeah. kind of laughed and drank our way through it. But we felt worse than that person, I think, because we, the ones that drove all the, you know, we're the ones playing our goddamn like art, right? <laughs> like bearing our souls and trying to like entertain the one person. Oh, man. I, to them, they were like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is like having... My favorite artist is singing in my bedroom. We're like, well, the, guess who this isn't amazing for? Us. Us. Yeah. <laughs> but the payday was fine. So they play for less than 10 people. No, they're known for makeup. They weren't mar- wearing their like classic makeup at this point. They were mm-hmm. just wearing like guy liner, maybe a little bit of face paint, whatever they could probably find in their mom's closets. That's the kind of makeup they were wearing. They wouldn't don their classic iconic makeup until a few months later at the Daisy in Amityville, New York on a March 9th gig. All right, so they played a shitty club in Times Square called the Hotel Diplomat on August 10th, 1973. They were playing these gigs. They were basically calling the club owners and it's Gene Simmons basically saying, hey, uh, I'm in the hottest band. I'm in the hottest new band in New York City and you need to book us on a residency for 10 weeks. Like he would say things like that. I love that that confidence. Yeah, yeah, Totally. And they're like, uh, why don't you come down and play one show on a Tuesday and we'll, we'll see about that. And of course, it would be like the 10 people, you know. Mm-hmm. So they did one of these on August 10th. So they've basically been a band for, from January to August. So it's summer. A dude in the crowd is a guy named Bill LaCoin, who is like a TV producer. He ends up becoming their manager. No experience ever managing a band. He just sees their deal. He sees them with the makeup and he sees in them. He's kind of a visionary. Mm-hmm. He sees what no one else could see, right? He sees money he sees success he sees a band that has some cool songs and has a vibe and is doing something different right Mm -hmm. so he goes to the band he's like look i want to manage you guys let's figure it out he says uh i'll get you a record deal within 30 days if you let me be your manager two weeks later they signed to casablanca records so this dude's never been a a manager and he's like i'll make this happen for you 
within a month and does it in two weeks. Did he know somebody? How did that happen? Yeah, he, there's a guy named Neil Bogard who started this record called record company called Casablanca, and it was kind of an upstart. Mm-hmm. And Neil Bogard, I think, was like a former teen star in the '60s or something, and he found kind of a shitty known. It's not like he's they signed a Capital or right. you know, right? But he did, but he did deliver. Yeah. I mean, he found a record label that was willing to. Signed the band and put out their albums. That's incredible. And Bill Bill of Coins is another one of these. Like, I don't know if it's like this in Hollywood, but there's just so many people where it's like, if that one bolt of lightning hadn't hit that person at that time, like some people have a thing where you're like, no matter what opportunities they miss or don't get because of the timing and luck part of the whole wheel, mm-hmm. they'll they're going to do something. Right. It, it was inevitable that Michael Jordan would play, but whatever it is, right. you know, they're they're like really special people, right. And then there are people who are special but would never have been able to generate what happened to them without that lightning, the the luck and the lightning. Right. They somehow tumble into their success. You know those you know you have people in mind when I say that? Yeah, I I yeah, I do. I I always wonder do they tumble into it or is it like or or like your friend who threw your phone, who threw his phone, like is it because they're unencumbered by the normal like weight of life in the way that we mm. aren't that they allow that, that stuff happens with more freedom because they're not getting in their own way. Here's another thing that happened to that guy, by the way, by by way of illustration of what you're just saying. Mm-hmm. We were staying in someone's bar. Someone had a bar and let us stay there, which huge mistake, by the way. Above the bar were apartments, mm. so that's why we were kind of crashing there. They said, hey, you can drink anything you want. Like they left. And they said, hey, the jukebox is over there. You can plug your iPod into this thing. You can drink anything you want in the bar. Just let us know what, if you drink a whole bottle of something, just let us know so we can do the inventory. And then you guys are all crashing upstairs. Wow. We drank and listened to music for 100,000 hours. (laughs) Who knows? Because we were like 25. You don't get tired then. Mm -mm. But at some point we got tired. We walk up the creakety, creakety stairs from hell mm-hmm. to get into these rooms. I'm laying in the room right above the bar and I hear Johnny's like, I can't find my phone. He can't find his phone. He's going to go back downstairs to get his phone to the dark bar. You hear the creak of the first two footsteps. Then you hear oh, what no. sounds like an avalanche because he fell down a hundred stairs. No. And I, I swear to God, I was like, John, John just died. There's no <laughs> way he did not break to his death. It just sounded like a, a building being demolished. It was a loud because he's wearing like cowboy <laughs> boots and shit. It was, it was insane. Oh no! So the whole band runs down to like check him out. Not a scratch on him. Wow. Because wow. he was so drunk, and he's just—I'm just telling you. There's some people that yeah. they don't even know the forces that are against them, so they, you know, they survive. They say that that if you're in a car accident it, it's better to be the really drunk one because you don't resist in the same way <laughs> i have to say when it talks about stairs though joe and i were just in um we were in amsterdam and i was like i can't have a single drink in any of these bars or restaurants because like to get to the bathroom or whatever there would be a, like a like a what's the swirling stairs like a a spiral staircase thank you for that word spiral staircase but like but with little steps that were too narrow for a foot and that like like turned and it was so precarious i was like how do people not just every night fall down these stairs i mean i yeah. i don't know i guess you got to have some good balance if you're going to live in amsterdam <sighs> and maybe it's just bred into the children it's just like you know right their their alcoholic parents had good balance they passed the it's like yeah you got to survive to survive <laughs> genetically 
you, <laughs> you have good balance for the stairs. Yeah, makes sense. So now Kiss is a band with a record deal. These little little New York boys. Mm-hmm. They have a manager, Bill Coin. Have they changed their names yet? At this point, they've already adopted their like stage names, their personas. Paul Stanley has the makeup of the star over his right eye. Okay. They call him the star child. Sure. He wears red lipstick. He generally has kind of an androgynous vibe, but more than anyone in the band, he all he's talking about is sex with the ladies. Gene Simmons is the demon. His makeup are these pointy things. He spits blood. He spits fire. His, his stage persona is a very menacing villain almost. Hmm. And he was one of the kids' favorites, right? Because who wouldn't fucking love that? Uh, Peter Chris is the cat man. His makeup looks like a cat. He's sly like a cat. Ace Fraley is called the space man. His makeup and his general persona is that of a kind of a space cadet, futuristic stuff. His suit looked very sci-fi. And that's kind of their four personalities. So they have all of that. Bill Coins, boyfriend at the time, their manager, his boyfriend is a stage actor named Sean Delaney. He brings Sean in to teach them choreography. So they learn to move together. Mm-hmm. You can see all this in their live shows. They bring a magician in who teaches them how to spit fire, how to spit blood, how to do some weird shit. They make an elevator for the stage that raises the drum kit up like 20 feet. Mm -hmm. This is all stuff that they're doing while no one knows who they are. So basically, it's a story in investing in your show and in your your production value so that when you are at the Hotel Diplomat or the fucking popcorn club, you can really blow people away. Right. Especially if maybe you're not great looking dudes, which they weren't. And maybe if your tunes aren't great, which they kind of weren't. <laughs> like they're not going to compete with Stairway to Heaven. You know what I mean? They're not going right. to, they're not going to compete with Pink Floyd. Well, they're putting on a show. They're putting on it and, and they're blowing everyone away. In fact, you know, they were opening for Blue Oyster Cult. And one of the stories is like, they were just blowing them out of the, they were showing up to the gig with more, equipment, more trucks, more lighting, more fog than even the headliners. And no one had really seen that before. I like this this like theme of of confidence. Like he's yes. like Gene Simmons is like, you gotta give me a 10 week residency. Yeah. And then they're showing up with like two extra trucks worth of of fog and blood for spitting. And like, you know, and the headliners like, what's going on? Like this just sort of like we're coming, we're showing up, we're bringing it. You guys will pay attention. Everything about them is larger than life. Mm-hmm. And Another way that this really impacts me as a person is I look at these bands or I look at artists who I think about, I'm not necessarily trying to pick on Bon Iver, but he's just going to be a placeholder for what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. There are these kind of darlings, like artistic darlings that are almost like um, like Eddie Vedder wanting to give his Grammy or being like, this Grammy doesn't mean anything or like Kurt Cobain being like bummed out that he's famous or, mm-hmm. you know, like these tortured individuals. Yeah. Now I come from the world of Kiss. So I'm like, Fuck you, get out. <laughs> Kiss wanted to be the biggest, loudest, most bombastic, successful, awesome fucking band in the world. Mm-hmm. That's where I come from. I want. I like that attitude. You right. know what I'm saying? Right, right. I like these guys that are like, I'm not going to let this accidentally happen to me. I'm going to do everything I can to project to be the band that I imagine that I am. Mm-hmm. And therefore, manifest it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something just really cool to me about that. So, and... and it, to that very point, which is why it's a good pairing with their manager, Bill LaCoin. He maxed out all... So the band didn't have any money. He maxed out all of his credit cards to get them the fog machine, to get... Like, they were they were wearing, like, costumes that they were, like, making out of their, like, mom's clothes. He actually was like, no, we're going to have a tailor make costumes. We're going to actually fucking do this. Wow. So he maxes out all his credit cards. All right, they put out their first album, 1974, self-titled Kiss, little fanfare, almost nothing. They're a hard band to figure out. It's like, 
they wear makeup they're like are they clowns they're wearing kabuki makeup they're strange it's yeah. a strange band and the honestly the recordings don't sound great they're on casablanca records they got bill of coin spending all his damn money on fog machines <laughs> so they their budgets for their albums are pretty low and their albums don't sound great i think there's a charm to them that uh, all these years later you can kind of smile about right but they don't sound great they just don't they make two more records over they start touring. The touring's going well actually because their show's insane. Well, yeah, they got the, No one had ever seen anything like that. Mm-hmm. Well, they're wearing makeup. They're wearing 7-inch platform boots. They look like superheroes. Right. You got a guy that's spitting blood for an entire song, just shooting it out. Can we just talk about that for one second? A I'm yeah. assuming fake blood. Uh also, where did No, they had to get real blood in every Ooh. every city. I'm kidding. It's fake blood. And like where are you putting it? How are you shooting it out? Are you just refilling something? Are you like taking a swig and then? I think he would have these packets that he would keep in his mouth. Ugh. Like, so like Ace Frehley would play a guitar solo. Gene Simmons is kind of going behind his amp, putting these packets in his mouth. And then he would like pretend to like be chewing on something, like maybe even his tongue. Oh, and then gross. he would open his mouth and just blood would just seep all out of his mouth onto his fucking neck and his base. Hmm. I mean, I'm going to send you a video of this. I mean, it's amazing. And then when you fast forward to when they're successful, he would do this thing where he would he would have these wires and he would shoot up really fast to the very top of the arena and he'd stand up on like the lighting trusses and they you know they put a camera on you can see it on a jumbotron and they would he, this is a later song but they have a song called God of Thunder and he mm-hmm. would do it during God of Thunder. And his bass, by the way, you know like the guitar the body of the guitar and axe a huge axe with blood on it. I'm into the space guy. I'm into the cat. I'm into the star. <laughs> All of those things I can get behind. Gene, Gene Simmons, his his platform boots. Yeah. And by the way, every tour, once they became famous, which we're almost there. Okay. I feel like some of our audience is like, get to the, <laughs> get to the shit. <laughs> once they got famous, every tour, different costume, like sure. different vibe. They would evolve everything. And at one point, Gene Simmons, seven inch boots, they would come all the way up to his knee and it was made entirely of like bones and skulls. It's fucking awesome. Okay, but this is kind of before. These are humble days, right? Maybe some homemade costumes. Their manager, Bill LaCoin, who believed in them, maxed out everything to give them actual costumes. They're going on tour. They're seeing reactions on tour. They're not selling hardly any records, no radio play. Casablanca is about to go bankrupt. They're out of money. They're out of time. So then they do what would end up setting a trend in music is they released a live album called Kiss Alive. It's probably the most famous live album. Wow. This is 1975, so it's been a couple. It's it's been about a year and a half since they've got signed. Record label broke. They're at the end of their rope. They can't spend money on an actual studio album, so they take some recordings of performances they already did. They church them up. 
They add crowd noise. They add, the the parts where bombs go off in the show. They actually added overdub bombs. They overdubbed applause. They made it sound like they were a bigger band than they were, and it fucking worked. Wow. So the song that became a huge hit from Kiss Alive, which was already on one of their studio albums that no one heard, is called Rock and Roll All Night and Party Every Day. And it became the anthem of a generation. Wow. And it saved everyone's ass and it catapulted them into what has been dubbed 1975 till 1979 is called Kiss Mania after Beatlemania, where they just fucking exploded. They had a four or five year period there. They're making a bunch of albums. They have a bunch of top 20 singles. Rock and Roll Night went number 12 on the Billboard. Six top 20 songs, arena shows sold out all around the world. And their merchandising was insane. Kites, lunchboxes, thermists. Obviously, they're selling the makeup to kids. (laughs) Deodorant, radios. They even have kiss caskets that people are buried in. No. Really? And I think other than the Beatles, I don't think any other band, as far as an image, was as marketable as Kiss. You could put those four those four iconic characters' makeup faces on anything. Right. You know? It just translated it was so marketable. I thought you were gonna have me a deodorant, but you really took it up a notch with the casket. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dimebag Daryl allegedly is buried in one. Wow. Uh, they're really expensive. They're like six grand or ten grand or something. I'm gonna get cremated. I'm good. I don't I'm I'll pass. But very cool. Most of my friends agree that cremation is the way to go. I don't really know anyone that is going to be traditionally buried anymore. No, I don't need it. I don't need it. You don't. You don't need it. Don't yeah, you're not going to need anything at that point. <laughs> That's true. No one. I don't. Yeah. I don't want to put my family through it, and uh, I don't want my body to be in the ground, and it's going to be more affordable. I would rather like just turn into like energy dust and like be in a right. be on the ground like naturally than like decay yeah. within some sort of box. No, I mean we came we came from the stardust and we'll yes. return to it, and that, are, that makes more sense. We to are me. stardust. I agree. Here's what Gene Simmons did have to say though about the early touring of Kiss. He says, "Being in Kiss in the very first year touring around the United States, we felt like we were taking off. It was like somebody pushing you into the deep end of the pool, whether you can swim or not. The early years of Kiss were far from glamorous. We rode in a station wagon hundreds of miles every day. We would take turns driving and sleeping in the back." We ate burgers at roadside taverns. We stopped and peed on the side of long stretches of highway when we couldn't find a town anywhere. We ate beans and franks because we couldn't afford better food as we were on an $85 a week salary. Becoming a rock star was better than anything and beyond anything I ever imagined. There were moments of doubt for me that we were going to make it even. So 
you fast forward to a couple years later, that Kiss Alive record comes out, and finally, they're the rock stars that they knew they could be. Mm-hmm. So then they're making albums, and it's kind of their heyday. In 1978, things are getting t- weird with the band because the two misfits, Ace and, Ace and Peter, are kind of fucking everything up. They're drunk. They're, mm-hmm. they're high. Honestly, I think they were kind of taking it for granted. They kind of believed their own mythology. Mm-hmm. They let it go to their heads. Yeah, they let it go to their heads. Their contributions to the band start to wane. They're missing recording sessions. They're drunk on stage. They're playing shittily. It's just such a shame. And Paul and Gene, who are the kind of smarter, more business-driven they never really did lose sight of that. So they're looking at these knuckleheads going, you fucking guys just don't get it, man. Yeah. So in order to save the band, Bill O'Coin decides, how about all four of you make a solo record? We'll put them out as Kiss, but they'll be called Ace Fraley, Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Peter Chris. We'll release them all on the same day. We'll give them all the same amount of publicity. They do that. It's not a huge success, even though a couple of those records are pretty good. Paul's and Ace's are really good. Peter Chris is atrocious. Jeans is okay. They also make a movie that year because they're trying to be the Beatles. They make a really horrible movie called Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. They're in like a theme park and it's kind of like Phantom of the Opera. Got it. But they're in a theme park and it's Kiss and it's not good. <laughs> they said it was supposed to be a, a cross between A Hard Day's Night and Star Wars. <laughs> so the So the failure of the movie, at least they split with Bill O'Coin. This is just starting to get into the, the dark days. Okay. They make an album called Dynasty that has a big disco song on it because disco is hot. And Kiss is a band that kind of always chase trends. So Kiss makes a disco song. It's one of their biggest songs ever, but it alienates their fan base, which was a bunch of rockers who are getting older so now a bunch of kids and disco nerds are going to kiss shows wow so they're noticing that in their crowds they make a concept album it fails they make another album it fails ace fraley leaves the band peter chris leaves the band you're ushered into the 80s they're not selling tickets they're not selling albums they do this big mtv thing where they take off their makeup for the first time no one knew what these no one knew knew what the original members of kiss looked like in the public even when they were like Kiss Mania, when they were really famous, there were never any pictures of them without their makeup. Gene Simmons was dating Cher. And like, there's all these like pictures of him covering his face. Like no one knew who they were. Wow. They could walk around freely in That's the world. That's kind of cool. I like that. So as a gimmick to try to drum up interest in the band in the, in the early 80s when people don't care anymore, they did this big publicity thing of taking off their makeup. And it's it's weird. It's a weird era. The 80s... They make some good records and some really not so good records. They have a song called Let's Put the X in Sex. So, 80s are a dark time. 
in the early 90s, they are doing a thing called a KISS convention because enough time had kind of gone by to where huge Dire KISS fans are older. They're probably in their mid-20s, late-20s now. They have jobs. They have money. Mm-hmm. They have more money than they had when they were having to basically ask their parents to give them the 30 bucks to go see KISS or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they start doing this thing called KISS conventions. Mm-hmm. People show up who have a bunch of KISS memorabilia or like KISS stuff. Well, the band gets hip to them. The band starts showing up. Paul and Gene start showing up. They'll do like a little acoustic set or something. You know, they'll sign some autographs. It's this huge deal. That turns into an offer from MTV to participate in what was really hot at the time, which was called MTV Unplugged. They do MTV Unplugged, but it's it's the people who replaced Peter and, and Ace. It's a guy named Bruce Kulick, who's a great guitar player, and a drummer named Eric Singer. Well, they're like, hey, you know what'd be really cool and good for ratings? Why don't we have Ace and Peter for the first time in 17 years? Why don't they come out and we all play rock, like play one song, play rock and roll all night? Well, Paul and Gene, who had a very non-amicable split with those knuckleheads, mm-hmm. they're like, I don't know, you know, I don't know. They reach out, they take care of all the business of it. It's just good business. Mm-hmm. Well, in the rehearsals, they're like, hey, man, I kind of miss you. Like, you know, it was like, it was like really good to see each other. They play four or five songs. Kiss fans go fucking nuts for this. This is a huge deal to KISS fans. And we're not talking about mom and dad. We're talking about Peter, Chris, and Ace Fraley. Now, keep in mind, at this point, for Clint Boy over here, still not even a Kiss fan. This this is all outside of my world. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 10. I'm 11. I don't know. I've never listened to Kiss. This It hasn't happened to me yet. Okay? But this Unplugged thing, they play a few songs with Ace and Peter, and it goes really well. Now, what are Bruce and Eric doing right now? Probably shitting their pants. Okay. Just that's what I thought. Yeah. They're probably not loving it. Mm -hmm. And inevitably, their greatest fear comes true. And Paul and Gene go to the the guys that have been with them, you know, been right. keeping Kiss alive with them. And they say, listen, we're going to do a reunion tour with Ace and Peter. When they announced that, the first show at Dodger Stadium, 40,000 tickets sold out in like 10 minutes. Wow. So the money was just, it was just, I mean, who knows what they said to those guys? I mean, maybe they said something like, look, we're just going to do this for a few years. The business makes sense. People want to see us together but you are our guys. Uh, Or they said, look, this is the end of the road. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your service. You're Mm -hmm. fired. I I don't know. That would have been really hard for me if I had been the guy that kind of stood in the gap, you know, for those other 80s and early 90s records. And I'd been- Yeah. Because those guys at that point had been in Kiss for like years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure they weren't super thrilled. I mean, there's like press of them saying- you know, there's the drummer who's like, hey, you know, I was a Kiss fan when I was a kid. So to see Peter Chris back with the boys makes me happy. And I'm like, yeah, I'm that sure. Sounds like a real, that sounds like a real rehearsed answer for the media. But here's the deal, though. Before they did that Unplugged, that version of Kiss, the, the Kiss with the sub guys, mm-hmm. they were just, they had gotten so unpopular. They were playing clubs. Oh, yeah. Okay. So to go from playing clubs on their early 90s revenge tour mm-hmm. to selling out Dodger Stadium. So the whole deal was. They're putting the makeup back on. They've got Ace and Peter back. And they're basically doing the, they made an album in 1977 called Love Gun. So they're basically doing the Alive 2 Love Gun set list and the Love Gun costumes. Mm-hmm. So for all people like my dad, 
they're like, I'm basically going to get to see 1977 Kiss again as an adult. For all right. the kids, we're going to be able to see a heyday version of Kiss at our local arena. I mean, it was a 198 right. world tour. And that was the first tour that I saw. That I saw them in Columbus, Ohio at some marina and changed my life. So wow. the 192 shows earning $43 million, making Kiss the top drawing act of 1996. Average attendance was 14,000, which was the highest in the group's history. So on the success of that, in 98, they made another record with the OG band. It's called Psycho Circus. It's not very good. They launch a farewell tour in 2000. Let me just remind everybody right now. Kiss is still touring right now, <laughs> but they did a farewell tour in 2000. Well, the Judds are about to do another farewell tour. <laughs> they just the need to quit calling them. Yeah. Yeah, the farewell again. Fair, yeah. Also, um, farewelling <laughs> part two. <laughs> Peter Chris quits again. Ace Fraley quits again. And now they have the drummer who they fired before, Eric Singer. Did Bruce come back? No, Bruce says bye-bye because here's, here, Katie, here's the caveat about Okay about kiss remaining today it's all makeup now so what they had to so peter chris quits and so they say to eric singer hey we want you to come back and drum for kiss but you have to wear peter chris's makeup and you have to be basically be the cat man eric singer's like no fucking problem Mm -hmm. he wears a wig he puts on the cat man makeup and he pretends to be peter chris bruce kulik the other guitar player goes no fucking way i'm not wearing ace's makeup i'll never do that if you want me to play in kiss i will be bruce kulik but no fucking way, not wearing mm-hmm. makeup. So they got Tommy Thayer, who was Ace Fraley's guitar tech during the reunion. And by the way, Ace so fucked up when he came back into playing Kiss that Tommy Thayer had to teach him how to play all of his solos. So they tapped the guy who taught Ace how to replay all of his stuff. He's now the spaceman. He wears Ace's makeup and he pretends to be Ace. And the fan base is extremely divided on this. There, there are sections of the Kiss fan base that hate Tommy Thayer and Eric Singer so much that they could puke. Wow. There are people like me who are like, look, the magic was in the OG lineup. I prefer the OG lineup. Because the thing about the Eric Singer and Tommy Thayer, they're great musicians and they look and sound like Peter and, and Ace. Right. And they maybe even sound better than them. Right. So to me, it's all theater. It's all a magic show. It's ne- you're never going to replace the magic of the original members because they had a chemistry together. They're the, they're the four guys that were falling down the stairs without a scratch on them. Yeah. They formed yeah, yeah, yeah. a band and made these albums that matter so much. But the thing that you see out now is a, a shell of itself a bit, but mm-hmm. kids, but no one knows. Right. And no one cares. And in fact, Katie, there's talk of what's going to be called Kiss 2.0, where Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons even said, hey, even we're going to retire one day and other people are going to wear our makeup and they're just going to take the Kiss brand. They're just going to tour forever because Kiss is an idea, not for people. Wow. Okay. So is that so is that even true? Are they just is it just another weird thing that they've done and they're well, in, is it a, is it another version of the kiss casket? Here's, it sounds like it sounds like a like when you mentioned them being like superheroes. It sounds like well it's just Batman and anybody can play Batman. Exactly. Because, Exa- that's exactly what it is. You know. And so it maybe it went from them, you know, the person who wrote Batman or whatever, but now it's turned into this idea that's very marketable that can evolve and change over time. Do they, here's the question. Do they keep writing new music or do they just play rock and roll all night and party all day for the rest of all eternity? Great question. So their last album of original new music was 2012's album called monster. (laughs) 
I think it sounds good, and I actually really like the songs a lot. No one cared. Hmm. No one gave a shit. They played maybe one of the songs live on that tour, but ultimately people just want to hear their body of work really from the 70s, a few songs from the 80s. And I, one of them, either Gene or Paul, has kind of gone on record and saying, why would we make an album? Like, why? what incentive do we have to write new songs? Like, right. And there's a part of me that feels sad about that because I'm like, well, you know, if you're really an artist, you're going to write songs no matter what because there's something in you that compels you to it makes me wonder like are they really artists like are they just these guys that kind of they're for sure showmen they're showmen they're entertainers performers they're yeah. businessmen yeah and you know paul paul makes actual like art he got really into art but they've basically given up on on writing new material and so what they could do is they could have they've already got tommy thayer and eric singer they find their counterparts that could wear the makeup that could sound like them Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, they go out and they play rock and roll all night and party every day. And then there are other 18 bangers and they can carry on Kiss for as long as anyone cares. I feel like, I really hope that I'm right in saying this. I could be wrong, but I've done those conventions before, those, you know, like horror conventions. Mm-hmm. And I am 90% sure there were some members of Kiss at one of them. Yeah. Well, I'm still waiting for you to take me to one of those. Anytime. I haven't gone to one since the pandemic, but. Two people recently reached out to me. One of them sent me a picture of them with Robert England, who plays Freddy Krueger, who's basically my hero. And then another person sent a picture of them with Doug Bradley, who played Pinhead in Hellraiser. And these guys aren't young. Yeah. And the one with Doug Bradley was in fucking Nashville. I just don't have my ear to the. I don't know when they happen. Or I don't. I. I don't even know how to go to them. You just Google it. Just Google horror conventions. Nashville. I don't know how to. I don't. I don't know how to Google anything. I don't know. I have I to go with you, you because that. Look. I look. No, I'm I hear spoiled. you. I hear you. No, you gotta. You gotta have the. You gotta be with the band. And this is the only time I'm the band. Yeah, I'm not it. going to Bonnaroo for fun. I'm going mm-hmm. to Bonnaroo if I have a fucking wristband because I'm an artist, yeah. and then I'll go see the the EDM ten or whatever. Yeah. But I'm not parking at Bonnaroo. I can't. No, Those I hear days you. are behind me. I'm I sorry. Hear you. I hear you. Anyway, back to Kiss. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Does anything I've said today mm-hmm. make you want to check it out? Good question. Um, <laughs> I would watch a trailer of a concert. Oh uh, my gosh. Here's here's You'd watch a trailer of a concert. A trailer of a concert. That's as much as you're willing to give it. I like the rock and roll all night song. I've seen clips of the makeup and and it is a little it's a little scary to me. And I'm I got the blood thing. It's just the the I'm into the star guy, I'm into the catman, I'm into the spacesuit. It's just the let me spit blood pour over me. It is something that is shocking but doesn't like resonate with me. Well, they only do that for one song. Okay, then maybe not that song. I won't watch that one. Yeah, that's just God of Thunder. What about the Spitting Fire, though? They do a song called Firehouse. It's a pretty exciting moment. 
I mean, I'm yeah. I I would watch a I would watch a clip of that for sure. But most of their songs are about. They have a big song called "Love Gun." You pulled the trigger of my love gun. You know what that's about? It ain't about a gun. Yeah. No place for hiding, baby. That's what most of their stuff is, you know? You put the, what was it? You put the X in sex? Let's put the the X in sex, yeah. Yeah. Read My Body, that's another one. Also, I, yeah, I don't. I, I'm, I'm interested in seeing the spectacle briefly to just have to just be able to be like, yep, there's the spectacle. Um, but like my musical vibe is like a guy or a girl with a guitar or a piano quietly singing into a microphone <laughs> about feelings and occasionally being funny. Well, here's the interesting thing. So like all the members of the band, they're kind of like the Beatles in, in the in the the all the other guys sing and write. So mm-hmm. they would they would let Ace. They'd put one of his songs on the record that he would sing. Mm-hmm. Peter Chris would write a song and he would sing the song. And, P- and Peter had like a really interesting voice. So he often like would sing songs or whatever. One of Kiss's most popular songs is a song that Peter Chris wrote called Beth. And it's about it's about him being out on the road and missing his wife, Aww. his wife missing him. Beth, I hear you calling, but I can't come home right now. Me and the boys are playing And we just can't find the sound Just a few more hours And I'll be right home to you I think I hear them calling Oh Beth, what can I do? Beth, what can I do? It won the People's Choice Awards, and it's like a big ballad. Like, I wonder, that's as close as you'll get to, like, kiss at a piano, Yeah, you know. I'm into that. So maybe you'll like the song Beth. Okay. I like it. Have okay. you never heard the song Beth? No. I don't think huh. so. I mean, if I were braver, I would sing it to you, but I can't do that. I'll just, I'll, I'll insert a clip here. Okay. It's a really a beautiful song, actually. I'm into it. I, that, that sounds, that sounds uh, quite lovely, to be honest. I'd be in, I'd be into that. Well, look, I I can't do the band the justice that I want in an hour, but I do feel like I tried to give everyone. I feel like most people have kind of know rock and roll all night. They've heard the band Kiss. They maybe heard of Gene Simmons. They maybe think he's an, an asshole or whatever. They've seen his reality show, but just from one lifelong Kiss fan who owes so much of what my life is like now to you know what they were able to do on a stage. I hope I've just given a good introduction to yeah. the band. And just to wrap up, like some of the things that they're like, some of their successes. So in the four, last forty-one years, Kiss has earned thirty gold albums, which is twenty-six Kiss albums plus the four solo albums, which were all released on the same day. They all went platinum that day, which means they they shipped over a million units. 
which is a feat never achieved before by another band. They have 14 platinum albums, and three of their albums are multi-platinum. So, you know, when you think about what they were actually able to accomplish and just how influential they were to so many of the prominent rock bands of the last 30 years, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they're in it. And pretty much anyone in hard rock that you ask who one of their main influences are, I'm talking about the big guys, Metallica, and Anthrax, Pantera. Foo Fighters. Every time you say Anthrax, I keep getting weirded out that there's a band called Anthrax because I didn't know that until today. They're one of the big four of thrash metal. Wow. Okay. So does the platinum and gold albums just is that just mean how many how many were sold? Yes. Gold okay. means gold means you've sold five hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. So if you sell five hundred thousand, you get a gold record. If you sell a million or more, you get a platinum record. Got it. Okay. Here's what you've said today that I actually really resonated with me and makes me like Kiss for for what they are whatever that is is their sort of energy of like am, their ambition and their belief in themselves and doing something that's so out of the box and so wild and really like maxing out credit cards and putting everything to pushing everything to the limit and saying yes and 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 almost demanding that people pay attention i think that that is brave and bold and it's easy to like hear that story now, knowing their whole history and go, well, yeah, wow, how cool. But in the moment when months are passing, weeks and months are passing and you make a record and nobody pays attention, it's so easy to tell yourself no and to move on and then you you miss out and they didn't do that. And I think that that's really cool. I think there's some some lessons in that for people, you know? It's inspired you to watch a whole trailer about An their entire, live show. I mean, I can appreciate <laughs> them from afar. Yeah. But I, I do think that's really cool. I mean, I don't have to love the music or the makeup to appreciate the lesson in that. You know, like, don't be your own no. I feel like next time we hang out, we're going to watch, we're going to have a David Lynch marathon. <laughs> Race your head and kiss. And we're going to just listen to Kiss nonstop. <laughs> the thing the, the the thing is, is that like the stuff that I would be like, well, then we're also going to listen to folklore, but you actually like folklore. So I've got, I've got like nothing on my end that would be... I could make you read Eckhart Tolle or something that you'd be like, oh my <laughs> God, this again? We're going to talk about presence and breathing? So maybe that, but you know. I like breathing. Yeah. I do it quite often. Yeah, every minute, every second. In a dream world, what would your kiss character be? Hmm. And what would the title of the new hit kiss song that everybody loves, what would the title of that song be? Dang. Good questions. Yeah. It's hard because I always wanted to be Ace. I always wanted to be the spaceman. I always thought he had the coolest makeup. His color was kind of blue. They all have colors kind of. Mm. Paul's is purple. Jeans is red. Mm. The cat man's green. And Ace was blue, and he had songs about like being in space, and he was the lead guitar player. He was just so cool. It was like always hard to outdo him, man. So, what would my makeup be? Mm-hmm. Like, what would your, what would your, you know, or, yeah, what would your vibe be, person be, character be? Here's what one of my ideas would be, but it would get shot down, and I would agree with it. I would like to be like the evil one, but Gene's already kind of evil. Mm-hmm. But like a like a pentagram would be cool. <laughs> too much though that's just too much to put like on a record cover in walmart i get it but wouldn't the pentagram be fucking awesome 
man. Oh man. I don't oh. know. Like what, like maybe like an hourglass, but that's too much. Like I think the success of the makeup was that it was so simple. You know, you have a star, you have a cat, you know, you have the spaceman, you have or, the demon. Okay. Here's my question. So how would you, how would you shift one of the ones that already exist and make it your own? Cause I'm coming up with mine and I realize that it kind of already exists as well. So if you're not coming up with a totally new one, would you like take Gene Simmons and sort of morph it into your own? Maybe they have like, so before they went without makeup, they had two revolving. When Peter Chris first quit, they got a guy named Eric Carr mm-hmm. and he was the Fox and his makeup looks cool. Like it like worked. And then they had a guitar player briefly named Vinnie Vincent, who was the Ankh warrior. And he had this weird cross and it did not work. Mm-hmm. And that was when they were like, fuck it. We got to quit doing this makeup stuff. Um, I don't know. Let me hear what yours is. I'm curious. Well, my color would be like an opal. So it's kind of, it's the, the basis is like a shimmery white, but there's all this little like <laughs> flecks of pastels in there. So <laughs> well, I, I don't even know what color of, opal is. What it's is like a, opal? It's in my birthstone for October, but it's very shimmery. So it's like opalescent. It's like, it's like very shimmery. Okay, it's white, like but it's it. basically shimmery. But then I would okay. be stardust. We talked about it earlier. We come from Stardust. We go back to Stardust. Ooh. So I wouldn't be a star. I would just be Stardust. So I'm seeing a lot of glitter. I'm yeah. seeing a lot of shimmeringness. I I think maybe I would come down on some with some like r- some wires or something, you know, and sing and I don't know, but something like that. Basically, I'm gonna I'm gonna raise the vibration of this this devil stuff, and I'm gonna we're gonna shine some goodness in there we would be great counterparts that's what i was and you were like a pentagram i'm like oh gosh we really are the yin and yang of this of this <laughs> dynamic oh man that's so good well i guess you can write in actually and let us know what kiss character you would like to be yeah i don't know what a song would be called still rocking all night and partying every day here's the thing here's what i actually don't want to do though hmm. is rock and roll all night and party every day you know me that's no. not really my thing I want to rock and roll till about 8.30 p.m., then take some melatonin and sleep until 7 a.m., drink some coffee, have a lovely day, maybe have a happy hour, do it again all week long. That's the title of my song. I want to sit in a dark, air-conditioned room with really good Wi-Fi and uh, my record player and cry into a shoe. Is that a good song? That's great. I want to sleep with two fans going and the window open (laughs) because I really like Fresh air moving and it helps me sleep at night. I want to. I want to cuddle. You heard it here. The new. The new hit kiss song. <laughs> I want to. Here's the new hit kiss song. I want to sleep with two fans on in my room. Parentheses because I like fresh air. <laughs> hey, Clinton, Katie here, and we want to tell you about our Patreon. For as little as a cup of coffee a month, you can help us decide episode topics for next season. We'll read your emails and shout you out on our happy hour hangouts. Plus, we're giving away A to Z magnets, signed CDs, vinyl, and more. If you're willing and able, consider joining us on Patreon and supporting the show. We'll love you forever. Peace. Bye.